0: Start at the very beginning and see how you do with this review um, i'm gonna, just going to write what i hear hopefully it's all going to be in the proper order so let's just see where we land here tonight what are the four ways that god wants your children to grow in your home in wisdom stature In favor with God and in favor with men these are the four categories that you have responsibility toward your children to help them grow this is the categories of growth the Bible describes for Jesus that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men That communicates the four areas that we need to work on. We are right now just dealing with one of these. That's the first one on the list. We've been dealing with wisdom. So you've kind of lost track of the big picture. So let's get back to the big picture. Wisdom is going to be, we focus usually on the mental aspect. Stature is the physical aspect that we take a lot of effort for. Um, This is the spiritual aspect of man. And with men is the social aspect, which we care a lot about. For some reason, we care a lot about number two and number four and not very enough about number one and number three. We care about stature and favor with men, physical and social development. We aren't really considering, as we should, the priority of wisdom, of mental development and of spiritual development, uh, which, by the way, is not third because of importance. These are not necessarily in the importance, um, but it's really, I believe, in some of the uh, developmental stages. So this was the four categories that you have responsibility to assist your child to grow in. These were also used of Samuel. One of the evidences that he had come to good maturity was that he had grown in these areas: wisdom, stature, um, wisdom, stature, the favor of God with God and the favor of man. And so, this is what we are striving to achieve with our children. Um, and we have some influence there. We have some responsibilities there. We cannot assure that why why can't your parenting assure that your children will come out growing in wisdom stature the favor of god and favor of man what is the limiting factor of your parenting they have a will will. all right that can short circuit this entire process your children can choose not to grow in wisdom they can choose to be foolish because foolishness is bound up in their heart It is with them already. They are born with it. It is wrapped up, entailed in who they are, is foolishness. And if you do not drive it out of them, it will persist in them the balance of their life. And that tells you that there are what kind of adults? There are foolish adults. There are even foolish, really old people. All right? Experience does not bring wisdom. Okay, a lot of people say, "Oh, we must have a lot of wisdom, because they've been married a long time, or they've lived a long time, they have lots of wisdom. And no, experience does not bring wisdom. We have already talked about that, but so we wanted to develop uh, it certainly involves our mental capacities, but also uh, takes into account these other things. So these are the four big categories that we are studying right out of the Bible that we want to see our children grow in. Remember them? It goes way back, like two months. So I want to just reinforce that again because we're getting down to the little letters of, of our outline and sometimes we forget the big picture of our outline. So that's the big picture of our outline. So now we want to help them grow in wisdom. That's the first category that we have started with because that's the first in the list that we have in the scriptures. So we have talked about their growing in wisdom. All right, and we have six areas that we have been applying ourselves to help them grow wisdom. What are they? Please give them to me in order. We have seen the need for discipline. What's the next one? Instruction. Next one. Authority. Provision. Next one example what's going to be the last one rebellion. is rebellion recognizing rebellion now I have note page are there are they all used up are there note sheets there on the table that have this outline the D I A P E R diaper, diaper. The, the acrostic is diaper anybody need another sheet because they D I a P-E-R on those, D-I-A on one side, P-E-R on the other side. So these are the six areas that I could glean out of God's word that a parent has responsibility toward their children. is to discipline them, to instruct them, to uh, exercise their authority and to recognize the child's authority, um, to provide for them, to lead by example and to recognize their rebellion. And so we are well down through this. And uh, so let's, that's good. You did great there. Let's uh, define wisdom. Um, what are the categories of wisdom that we're trying to bring out and to bring to our children? Which is? No, the fear of the Lord is what? Yes, it's the beginning of wisdom. It is to hate evil. And you're going to see that in our passage tonight. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, because as soon as you understand, your child needs to understand, which means you need to understand it and live it out, that God is holy, holy, holy. And everybody who gets to see God in the scriptures immediately realizes, oh, I am not worthy of this. They, 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 Isaiah's famous line, woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. I have seen the holy God. I'm a dead man. Okay? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, to realize that he is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And this our children need to understand, and that is the beginning of wisdom, is to hate evil. And we focus that in each of discipline, instruction, authority, and provision already. What other thing is the near to wisdom is the neighbor of wisdom prudence what is prudence the control of yourself and your resources to use them properly the proper use of your body your energies your thoughts your time Um, those are all resources your children have they have time they have energy they have thoughts they have a body your children have that at every age of life and so do you Prudence is I'm going to use the resources I have uh, properly. I'm going to use them righteously because I hate evil. So I'm going to use them rightly, and I'm going to use them in a godly fashion. I'm going to use them properly, the proper use of my resources and myself. All right? And again, we talked about, uh, as we talked about disciplining for prudence, instructing, authority and provision, Uh, We have a goal of directing them in wisdom to be hate-evil, to be prudent. What's the next one? Knowledge of God. To know the Holy One. So that sounds like that, fear of the Lord. This is knowledge of the Holy One. They should have a knowledge of God. And they should increase in understanding who God is, how he functions, what he is like, what he expects, what he has done for us. What are his attributes? How does he work? Now, does that mean they're going to go through a theology proper seminary class? No, because those are boring. And frankly, they aren't the best way to teach God. The Bible does a much better, has a much better plan to teach God than our theology books. My theology books uh, you go in there, you pull them off, and you'll go, oh, and there'll be a bunch of dust come off the top of them. I say, Pastor, you don't open your theology books, correct, because they're boring. They use big words, they use a lot of Greek and Hebrew, they have their own lingo, and frankly, um, they don't do nearly good a job as this book. How does the Bible introduce God to you? By a list of His attributes. How does he introduce himself to you? Narrative. A story. He tells you what God does. The Bible doesn't start off by saying, here's what God's like. So we don't start off telling our children that. What do we start with in, what did you start with in Sunday school and in junior church? What do, how do we start to introduce the knowledge of God? The narratives, the stories. So they should... Know that God is the creator of everything that exists. That He hates evil. How do we know that? I don't have to sit there and say, "Well, He's holy." No, I just have to get to the narrative, and and pretty quick in Genesis. What is the next story after creation? That is, all all of our is, is Trevor's little Bible here. This is his little beginner Bible. He showed it to me in Sunday school this morning. He's very proud of it. So I'd look through it. And the first story is God creates the world. The second story is Adam and Eve. And the third story is Noah and the ark. Next significant story in the Bible, God hates evil and he destroys everything on the earth except for two of every animal, seven of every clean animal, and eight people how much does God hate evil he is willing to destroy the pinnacle of his work all of it and he would have destroyed it all but one man was righteous in his eyes Wow does God hate evil how do I learn that I it from the story so we teach the stories of the Bible because this is the best way to introduce who God is by what he does not by some big theology class. That's at the very end, and frankly, it's not the best way to teach God. So we need to know the Holy One. All right, what is the last part of wisdom? The last of the four areas of wisdom that we want to communicate is discretion. What does it mean to be discreet? Knowing the right time and place and reason to either speak or act or not to speak or act that's discretion when is the right environment when is the right time to say what needs to be said or to not say what's on my mind just because it's on my mind okay that's discretion discretion is part of wisdom and so uh, there are sometimes there are some questions that don't need to be answered right now whether your child's asked them or not doesn't mean that you have to answer them. Right? And so because they're going to ask questions because they're indiscreet. They don't know the right time. You should. Because you're the parent. Okay? Just because a child has encountered something or has come across something or has doesn't mean it's time to talk about it. Um, you decide that. We need to be proactive in that. So We are trying to get these four facets of wisdom into these six areas of activity that we're supposed to do. We've gone through discipline, which focuses more on hating evil, um, but also the structure. We're going to talk about that down the road. when we get to the other areas of stature, which is our physical being, we're going to talk a lot about the value of structure there when we get there. So all that is review. Just to bring you up to speed so you get from the big picture down to where we are. So where are we on this list? Well, we've gone through discipline, instruction, authority, and provision in our task of helping our child grow in wisdom. We are now on the E of our diaper, which is that we are to be an example. Turn with me in your Bible to Colossians and Ephesians. You'll need both of those books. You knew I was going to get there eventually in a biblical study of parenting. And so we're going to get to Colossians and Ephesians. Let's start in Ephesians. Let's start in Ephesians. Chapter 5 and 6. We want to be... I didn't mean to erase that part. I meant to erase this part. Okay. So I'm going to bring an example up. Are we an example to our child of wisdom? Wisdom. And again, we cannot underestimate this area. You can instruct, you can discipline, you can do all those things, but if you are doing all those things hypocritically, that is, you are doing that to them while you live a different kind of life, um, I don't know why you expect a different outcome. The E in our list has to be way up there with the D and the I in prioritizing. We need to recognize the place of example so in our setting of example we want them to see that indeed we hate evil we want them to see that mom and dad by example are going to show them how to be prudent and we're going to show them that we have a knowledge and desire to have more knowledge of the holy one And we're going to, by example, seek to invest in our children and demonstrate to them discretion. We could spend a long time on each of these, but we're going to try to race through them. You're in Ephesians chapter 5? Everybody got it there? I want you to jump all the way back to verse 15, or forward to verse 15. What does it say? Let's read it together read with me since then oh i'm sorry <laughs> i can't read i got i got a floaty right here in this eye right where i read and this is my reading eye so this is my distance eye and this is my reading eye and i got a floaty right there so hang with me um verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we're going to stop right there. So what is the instruction? Be wise walk circumspect walk in righteousness walk the way you should walk that's your life live the way you should live now I want you to notice what comes shortly after this instruction to be wise verse 22 who's it talking to wives huh verse 25 who's it talking to husbands what is the number one relationship in your child's life What is the number one relationship in your child's life? Their mom and their dad. The relationship between the child's mother and the child's father is the most important relationship in their life. It is not between mom and child or father and child. The most important relationship in your child's life is the relationship between their mom and their dad. God's Word says you want to be wise, be a good wife, be a good husband. Your first example to them is in your relationship with one another. We're going to come into that extensively when we get down to in favor with man because their social development is going to be almost entirely dependent upon how mom and dad relate to each other. But in your relationship to each other, that's the number one relationship, you have an opportunity to demonstrate that you hate evil, That you are prudent that you know the holy God and that you have discretion let's go on what's next we can go back go down to chapter 6 verse 1 the one that every parent knows so only the children uh, if you're here and you're under 18 why don't you read this with me chapter 6 verse 1 of Ephesians are you ready to read it with me children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Stop right there. So, wisdom, we're going to start that relationship by being a good wife, being a good husband, godly, fulfilling God's directives there. The children are going to respond. Their response to that is to obey and honor That their life might be long. Now let's jump to the next aspect um, in verse 4. And I'll just have the men read with me. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now we have a similar passage in Colossians. Um, almost identical a little bit different words Uh, it's a sister book to this um, but I want you to notice the order Um, let's go to chapter 3 of Colossians verse 16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all what Wisdom. wisdom so the word of Christ should dwell in you again live in you with all wisdom and then it talks about singing, speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and singing to one another. Doing whatever you do, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And what's next? Right away, boom, 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 boom. We have three, four, three verses in a row, four verses in a row that deal with the family. You want to walk in wisdom? You better do it at home. You try and do it at church when you're not doing it at home, your children will know. And they will rebel against that. You cannot deceive them, it is impossible. So, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, give thanks to Him. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Boom, boom, boom. Your example setting is a priority to your children. They are watching, 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 watching. They will learn more from watching you than all you've ever done, all you've ever said to them. You can instruct them, you can teach them, you can bring them to Word of Life clubs, you can bring them to Sunday school, church, and live outside of that, and they will follow your living, not your speaking. Now Valerie has to decide when what well, that pregnant pause means she should do something editing on our podcast. Your example speaks louder than your words. Live wisely. What is living wisely? Hate evil in your life. Your children should know that you hate evil. You hate lying, whether it's you lying or them lying. You can't sit there and tell a child, God doesn't want you to lie, don't lie, and then they hear you lie. And I have been in environments where I hear a parent with the child present lie to somebody and that you could just the child looks at him. What has the child learned? It's okay to lie. They say it's wrong, but my mommy lies all the time. My mom used to you know, don't lie to the bill collector, just pay the bills. If you don't have the money to pay the bills, tell them you don't have the money to pay the bills. Let them turn off the phone, then you won't get any more bill collectors calling. You ever think about that? <laughs> They'll have to come to your door, send you mail. Don't lie. You need to have an example of hating evil. They're traveling along in life and they're traveling with you and they know every lie you tell because they live with you. And when they hear that, they recognize it, they go, Now, is it possible to be a perfect parent in front of your children? You are going to sin, and your children are going to see you sin. They're going to hear it. They're going to hear you gossip. But what you do with that next is critical. If you are wise and walking circumspectly and seeking to honor God, what do you do when you sin? You confess it, return from it, you confess your sin, and God is faithful and just to forgive you sin. And if you confess it to the Lord, you also need to deal with those who have witnessed that sin or against whom you have sinned. And I want to share with you, when you sin in the presence of your children, you have sinned not only against God, not only against yourself, you have sinned against your child. And you need to confess that to them. They need to know that while you hate evil, sometimes you do evil and you need to get that right. And that is a very humbling thing to do. But it is the only way to communicate that to our children. I think one of the best examples of this was Job. in um, The Bible calls him a perfect, which is uh, not mean that he never sinned, but rather that he was righteous in all his ways which meant that when sin happened, he offered sacrifices. And in fact, he offered sacrifices not only for his own, but he offered sacrifices for his children just in case they sinned without realizing it because maybe they said something out of turn. And so he was served as their priest. The fact that we are offering sacrifices tells us that we're sinners. But just because we sin doesn't mean we love it. And so we need to confess that, repent of it, turn away from that, and acknowledge that we struggle with sin like everyone. We're engaged in a warfare with sin, but it's the enemy. We are not the allies of evil. (laughs) We are not the axis of evil. We are the allies of God. We hate evil, even when we do it ourselves. And our children need to see that. We need to give that example. If you're going to help them grow to be wise, you have to to hate evil, which is the fear of the Lord, you're going to have to show it. By living righteously, and when you fail to confess that, and if they have knowledge of that failure, that needs to be, they need to be involved in that confession. This is what James talks about when it says, confess your sins one to another. What is that passage about? Does that mean go to a priest and confess your sins? That's not what it's talking about. Why do we confess our sins one to another? <laughs> but you see, you do it. Well, as iron charms aren't, um, it, it is preventative. It's helpful. Um, you're right that you confess your sins to one another. helps you get accountability partners say, hey, I'm, I, I, sinned again, I sinned like this and, and help me stop. Um, you're not at, you're not, and that's one facet, but that's really not what I'm focusing in on. This. I don't think the passage focuses in on us. Why do you confess your sin to one another? Is because your sin is social. Your sin overwhelmingly, uh, I can think, I think of only a handful of sins, and most of them are mental, that are private. Most of them affect other people. The ones you're confessing your sin to are the other people affected by your sin. This is what the Bible says. If your brother offends you, go to your brother and, and confess it one to another and get that straightened out and then be at peace. We don't hold grudges. We don't hold out and, and you know, well, I know they did this during the week. How can you get up there and preach today? Well, if you know that and it doesn't let you listen to my sermon, then you better come and talk to me. And I should have a heart's attitude that's willing to receive that kind of rebuke. What are you doing this week? And if it influences your children, and when the James tells you to confess your sins one to another, it is not for heavenly forgiveness. You confess to God for that directly because we have a high priest uh this jesus christ we don't need earthly priests to be mediators there's one mediator between god and man the man jesus christ so i can resolve things with god by through jesus christ directly i don't need an intermediary you don't need to come confess your sin to me so that i can tell you what it takes for god to forgive you that model is not what james is teaching but as i correct things vertically with god through jesus christ i also have to recognize that my sin has damaged horizontal relationships. It has impact. Okay, and so if I maltreat my wife, I need to confess that to her, and because the children are usually witnesses of that, they need to hear me confess that to her because they saw the maltreatment. They need to hear the confession too. Am I confessing to them? I'm confessing in front of them to the one that I've injured, but I have also injured them. Because what is the most important relationship to your children? Their mom's relationship with their dad. Their dad's relationship with their mom. And if that's strained in your home, that is putting a ridiculous amount of stress on your children. You have a fight and your children hear it, they also better hear you make up. whoa yes if you have a shouting match with your spouse and then make up in private your children didn't witness that but they I guarantee you they heard the shouting match right so if they hear you fighting they also need to hear you confessing and correcting and making it right because that's what is to hate evil to have discretion and prudence, to know the Lord. that's part of wisdom about living godly in front of your children. And so, we come to Colossians, Ephesians. If you want to walk in wisdom, it's going to impact your family. First place for wisdom to show itself is in your family. You should lead by example. First of all, hate evil. Secondly, you should be prudent. Do your children understand the resources that are in your home and how they are used? How do you use your time? Ooh, I'm getting personal. Your children know. I could ask them. What does dad like to do when he gets home from work? Oh, who do I want to pick on? The parents are like, oh, not, my kid. not my kid. Don't ask my kid. Ah, oh. I'm not going to ask any of you kids. I'm not going to put you on the spot because that's too much stress for your little lives have to squeal on your dad. What does your dad do when he gets home from work? They know. They know whether he just comes in, grabs a beer out of the fridge, sits down, watches the show, and says, we're in supper! And they know that that's not right. Because it doesn't make them feel good, doesn't make mom feel good, and it doesn't benefit the family at all. So it can't be godly. They know it. Even if it happens every night and they've never experienced anything else, they know it's damaging. Prudence is about using your resources properly. And one of your most precious resources is your time, your attitude, your words, your energy. How are you putting them to work in front of your children? Do they see you working together hard? Do they see you being careful or frivolous? They're going to learn what you teach them by example. So we had some great things with our kids, right? Um, we go shopping, and we my, my wife is the most frugal person you have ever met. Okay, She clips coupons. She shops the ads. We go to the store, and um, we walk out of the store, and it's only a successful shopping trip if she has saved more than she spent. You know, they give the little thing, your savings this trip was... And it's only successful if that number is bigger than the number of what she spent, which means she wanted to get 50% off of everything, or she wouldn't buy it. Okay, that's who my wife is. And so when we go shopping when our children were little, um, I want that, I want that. My children were no different than everyone else's children. Every child wants what they see, and and and, I gotta tell you this, the stores know it. They put all the cool stuff right at their eye level. Did you know that? All the things for children are right down here because they want to tempt your child. And when they know that when you get in the line, where are your children? They're in the cart, and now it's all at cart level. Those are the two places you'll see all the things for children, right down here and right here at cart level. You know what the stores are doing to you? Daniel, you know what the stores are doing They're tempting you. They're trying to get you to be discontent. They want you to want what they want to sell you. Not because you need it, but just because they want to make more money off of you and they're trying to use you to get your parents to spend more money that your parents might not have. Don't you feel used now? The stores are using you. Don't let the man win. (laughs) Fight that temptation. So, my kids... Reacted to all that just like everyone else's kids. There's the colorful thing. There's the sweet thing. There's the exciting thing. Oh, that's a Disney character. What are we not? Um, My kids did the same things going through the store. And my, 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 my wife, their mom had the best answer. We don't have money for that. That was her answer, everything they asked. We don't have money for that. Can I get soda with my hamburger? We don't have money for that. We have water at home. We don't have money. Now, because of that answer, what did my children think? We are poverty stricken. <laughs> but what were we saying? We are trying to be prudent because we didn't have a lot. Uh, but, and so we were careful to spend what we had carefully and not frivolously because we knew what the stores were doing and our children didn't know because they're foolish and we're wiser. And so we're wise on what the stores are trying to do, just like the commercials and the cartoon shows that try to get you to buy this. Um, we're more prudent, and we want to show that prudence, so we communicate something. We're, did we have the money? To, could we afford to buy that? Yes. But we hadn't budgeted money for that. We don't have money for that. We don't have money for that. That's what we asked, told our children. We don't have money for that. Because my wife and I have a budget that we carefully follow because we want to be very good stewards of God's resources. And so um, if it's not in the budget, and the budget has no place for whatever frivolous thing the store puts on the shelf that the kids think they need. I I don't have money for that. And my children must have heard that a billion times. I had a lot of kids. And we went shopping, and a billion times, I think is probably how many times they heard it. We don't have money for that. Yes. Not at this time. Not Not now. <laughs> when? <laughs> See, that's what Mike is saying. "When then? Never. Yeah, they forget. Their their attention span is short. That's why the stores put it there, because they just want it while they see it. As soon as you get out of the store, they will normally forget. Prudence says, I'm going to use my resources, and they need to see you being careful. They don't know that it costs money to turn on the light. So, yes, when my children get up to about 10, I'm trying to teach them prudence, and so I charge them if they leave the light on in their room when they come out to dinner. You leave the light on in your room, that's a quarter. What am I teaching them? That's a resource. That's an expense. Am I trying to say that you, you can't turn on a light? No, but don't leave the light on when you're not in the house. Because those things are costly. We live in a desert. I, oh, boy. Those are the words I keep telling to my children still today, don't I? You live, you live in a desert. You don't waste water when you live in a desert, do you? You want to be prudent with that resource. And they need to see that, you leading by example. They need to see that wisdom. And you need to show it to them. You need, they need to hear it from you, but they need to see in your life that you are prudent. That equally, not only am I not getting you what you want, I see something. <laughs> oh, look at this tool. And, you know, now we're at Home Depot. And, and yes, they still have children's things at that level. They still do at Home Depot too. Now, oh, tool! And you know, my wife is, is just spectacular because she says, if you need it, get it. And I go, well, I have two of those at home already, but this is better. Stop, no, I don't need it. I can, I can do without it. I can, I can handle it. Yes, they're at the husband level. Oh, it's terrible. And they put them right in the aisles, right in your way, so you can't even get to the stuff you're looking for without running into the tools that they want, all the special tools. So we need to be show that prudence to them. And uh, I think, again, in the home In your daily life, you need to be showing them wisdom, that you are careful about your resources, your time, your energies, um, that these are valuable commodities. Okay? What about your time with the Lord? When we had little children in my home, I had a little thing that I put on the door of my study. It's still there. I don't use it because they're old enough now not to bother me much. But it, it's a little thing that says "dad is studying," um, which means you don't come in. And uh, "dad is writing" should be on the other side. But um, and there were times when they knew when I was writing my book, and I was really having to turn out chapters for a publisher, um, and they knew that I wouldn't even come up to eat with them. And don't bother dad, you know. And and um, trying to demonstrate that time. Is a resource. But even then, I needed to show them that I will take time to go out and play with you. Even though I'm really busy. Because they need to see that there they have a place in that resource list too. Of priorities. So this is prudence. Knowledge of the Holy God. Are you showing that by example? Um your children memorize scripture at We're Life Clubs, do you? Just memorize their verses with them. At least do that much. Let them practice their verses to you and then you turn the book to them. Okay, let me see if I can say it. And you memorize their verses. Just do that much. I mean, that's only like Twelve verses or eighteen verses in a year, and there are simple ones. Well, <laughs> simple doesn't mean easy, uh, but they are pretty straightforward. Are you memorized? Are you? Do they know that you want to know God better? That you can't wait to go to church? That it's a priority in your life? That if you miss, you are miserable, and you and you're. Uh, more annoyed at missing church than you are at missing your favorite program, that play that your kids interrupted you from on the football field, whatever. Are you more annoyed at missing an opportunity to learn about God? And my children learn that. Your children need to learn that, that it's a priority to gain knowledge of the Holy God. So my children, it was a priority for them to be at World Life Clubs more than to play a Little League game. End of discussion. You're teaching your children the priorities of life. Is knowledge of God a priority in life? Or is it making more money? Or is it being popular or being or going doing physical activity, is it? Hunting. We're in the middle of Scott's hunt, but I'm here. And I was here Wednesday night. I'll be here again Wednesday night. Why? Because it's a priority. Everything, everything bows to an opportunity to serve and know God better. Everything. Visitors come to my house, <laughs> come to church or sit there alone. <laughs> We're going to church. I have unsafe family too. If they ever come visit, that's the deal. My children had almost no doubt what was the question. Not just because I'm paid to be here. I could easily not be here. They know what the priorities of life are. They know whether knowledge of the Holy God is more important than Whatever. Sports, family, work, they know. You're living it in front of them. And lastly, discretion. I have so much to say on this, I'm almost tempted to take another week. Um, We talk too much in front of our children. Children love to listen to adult conversation. And it's dangerous because they hear words and they don't understand what's being said necessarily. And they're great at learning those, that what's being said and even repeating it. And I see too many parents talking about things in front of their children they have no business talking to their children, in front of their children about. In their relationship with each other, about other family members, about church matters, about... All kinds of things. It is indiscreet, and you are showing them by your indiscretion how to be indiscreet. Your primary example um, is that they're not going to hear us yell at each other. I'm going to be discreet. If my wife and I have an argument, we're going to try to be discreet about that. Are we always completely successful? Probably not, because they know there's tension. They can sense tension without even yelling. Um, but it's going to be resolved, and hopefully they'll understand that those things get resolved too. But I don't do it in front of them. try very hard. I shouldn't say I never do it, but I try very hard not to ever do it in front of them. But I hear people that, you don't think about the fact that there's little ears around you while you're engaging in conversation and there are times I've just stopped a stopped conversation that says, I'll talk to you when we're alone. You got little ears listening. And they don't understand adult conversation. They know the words, but they don't understand why adult conversation sometimes has to be very... Uh, critical, argumentative, very uh, confrontational. They don't understand that. And that it can still be loving, that it can still be productive. Um, They don't get that part. But they will pick up on critical speech like that. They will get bitterness in their mind and their heart. Oh, please, stop talking in front of your children. Show a little discretion. They are not little adults. Their hearts are tender and it is very easy to cause them to not like church, to not like aunt so-and-so, to not like dad, to not like mom. And when I see divorced families and what they say to their children, oh, I just like to take the parent and just shake them. Um, Because, what are you thinking, saying, and doing those things in front of this child? You are purposely influencing them or inadvertently, even if it's inadvertently, you're showing you lack wisdom. Please, by example, show some discretion in your life. Discretion involves self control. But it's understanding the time when your children are around you. is not the time to have these heavy-duty conversations. The heavy-duty conversations do need to happen in your life, don't they? They need to happen between husband and wife. They need to happen among family members. They need to happen uh, in church sometimes. They need to happen in these environments, but not in front of the children because they don't understand adult conversation. And so we are always careful not to criticize people, not to, not to have uh, knock down things in front of the children. Go off I'm talking. I'm talking. I either send them away or I just stop the conversation. Go on. I remember a pastor um, that I was friends with and his daughter, even into her teen years, who was the, one of the biggest gossips I've ever met, would sit around and she'd listen to all of his conversations And she knew everything, all the stuff that was going on in the church, that no 12-year-old should have known any of it. And she was more than happy to talk about it. Because he didn't show the discretion to make sure his daughter wasn't hearing what was going on. I don't even tell my wife some things that are going on in our church. You come to me in confidence, and I have to have a serious conversation with you, I might not if my wife's not a part of it, I don't talk to her about it. Let alone to my children. That's not just because of my profession. That's because that's the biblical model of discretion. That if you and your brother have something to discuss and to deal with, take care of it, deal with it, end it, and if other people are influenced or involved in that, resolve it with them, and then be done with it don't spread the thing like cancer by being indiscreet about it we put it to bed and there it stays and it's not going to come out but if we are indiscreet where does it end where does indiscretion end as soon as your children hear who are they going to tell and who are they going to tell and who are they going to tell And who are they? I have seen families not talk to each other for years because this child heard their parents say something, said it to the children in this family, they told their parents, and now the two parents won't ever see each other. Because this one was indiscreet, let a child hear something they shouldn't have said, they repeated it to another child, that child repeats it to mom and dad, and now these two families don't ever want to be around each other. Because of an indiscretion here. It matters. We should know when we should talk and when we shouldn't talk. We're adults. Or maybe we aren't. Maybe we have the foolishness still bound up in us. We need to pray to God for His wisdom that comes from above. And so we are called upon as parents to be exemplary in these areas. Show your discretion. Tell people, this isn't the right time to deal with that. Your child will always think everything needs your immediate attention. What's your answer? Stop. Something else more important right now, not more important than you, but more important what you're talking about. More important what you're trying to, mommy, mommy, mommy. Just be quiet. Not now. This isn't the right time. So you're doing that, but you're also going to do it by example. That's instructional. That's disciplinary. We've talked about those. What about discretion by example? That means you have to do those same things. Gone late again. There's a lot more I could say on the area of discretion, but please realize your children do not have the capacity to process adult conversation. So don't involve them in it. Have conversation at their level if they are hearing it um, you need to send them to another room, you need to insulate your home better, I don't know, soundproof it. Uh, um, I try to have a soundproof room somewhere in the house. Uh, my office is pretty soundproofed. Um, and so I try to keep things centered there. And, and, um, and so it, it needs to be discreet. Not just lawyers and pastors need to have discretion in these areas. We should have discretion with husbands and wives so that our children aren't stressed by it, but also so that our children can see discretion, what it looks like, and exercise in their own life and learn to button their lips sometimes or sometimes open their mouth when things are really wrong and need to be said. And there are times that my family is like, oh, Dad, why did you say that? Because it needed to be said. You know, they're embarrassed when Dad gets out and says, that's wrong. but it needed to be said. Remember, discretion is also saying things that need to be said at the right time as well. So we need to be calling them to it by example in our lives. Not what's politically correct, not what's socially advantageous, but what is righteous and true. And So I don't just preach righteousness from this pulpit and my home is a pulpit, your pulpit, to your children is in your home. What are you telling them? What are they hearing? They're not ready for adult conversation. You need to give them discreet conversation so that they can be drawn in. When you hear little children going around cursing blue streaks, and we hear it, we hear it, we have Word Life Club, I hear little, little children cursing. They don't know what those words mean, do they? Because they don't understand adult conversation, but they can parrot it and it comes a part of their life because the parents are indiscreet. Now we have little, little children running around using foul language that when I was a child was only associated with sailors and iron workers. You never said those words in the presence of women or children. Ever. Now we have little children running around saying those words like they're nothing. Why? Because our worlds become indiscreet because they love evil instead of hating evil. They have no prudence. They do not know the Holy One, and so they have no discretion at all. Your kids are going to learn enough from the world. They don't have to learn more from you by having them listen in on adult conversations. There's a reason why we send your children out to junior church until they're in fourth grade, and that's because sometimes in my sermons it's a little more mature. I try to gauge it right around 10, 12 years old. Um, I'm told my language is higher than that, but I really work to try to get the concepts down to that level um, to communicate. When they can start thinking, but, but a 5-year-old has concrete thoughts, it's difficult for them to think like an adult. Don't talk around them like they can think like an adult. They still deal with concrete concepts, need to talk to them concrete things, and not these other areas that they just confuse them. They can repeat it, they can parrot it, and it's cute. Oh, they learned a big word, but they have no clue what they're saying, and that is indiscretion. That is not wisdom. Saying things you don't know what they mean is foolishness. A fool does that. They yammer, 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 and don't know what they're saying. Don't turn your children to fools of saying things they don't even understand. Let's pray. Lord God, would we thank you for your love for us, and we thank you for this time. And uh, we didn't have a lot of discussion tonight, but Lord, we pray that your spirit might keep moving in us and that we might be able to revisit some of this in the weeks to follow. And Lord, we uh, pray that you might work in our lives. We're all convicted tonight of areas in our life that we don't lead by example in showing wisdom, and yet you've called us to do that in your word. We know it is associated with um, our family and having a good home. Lord, help us. That if we lack wisdom, that we should ask you for it. Lord, give us the wisdom to be prudent, to be discreet, to want to know you more, and Lord, help us to hate evil in our lives first. We might show our children a life of obedience. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.